0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Torque Message of the Week. We know you will be uplifted and equipped to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus through what is spoken. Please enjoy this message from Pastor Tony Cassis. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit torque.org. Now for the message.
1: Because he is a father. He is a father. Let's pray for him. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Tony. We thank you, Lord, that his apostolic, Lord, call is even being, Lord, fulfilled more and more as he, Lord, reproduces himself, Lord, in his sons and daughters. And I just thank you that right now you're going to touch his words. They're going to, Lord, land. And, Lord, they're going to be like the parable says, Lord, they're going to land on good soil, soil of the heart. And I just thank you that, Lord, it will find the root and produce the fruit. Touch his words. Touch him, Lord, with his energy, and just, Lord, let him have fun and enjoy it. In Jesus' name, amen. I use this one?
2: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate all that. All right, let's get straight into it. John chapter 20, talking about the Father's um, will and the Father's love tonight. The pastor asked me to share on this topic I was telling the morning service when I went before the Lord on um, Friday and Saturday, I I couldn't get anything, and it's not that I don't have anything to share, but I want to hit the target. I don't just want to share knowledge, and so um, last night late, uh, I said to Pastor, I said, Pastor, look, I'm, I'm I'm blank on what to share, and then she volunteered. Why don't you share on the Father's love and purpose? I went, okay, I'll see what I can do. And so it went from there. All right? Um, You know, preaching is not as complicated as most people think, especially when (laughs) you've experienced the love of God and you've always got something to say. Hallelujah. (laughs) Anyway, um, I've called this message, He... Him, his. He, him, his. All right. (laughs) I'm so politically incorrect, right? (laughs) As opposed to she, shim, and shiz. Oh my god. That's not a good way to start, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus called his father my God. Wow. You know, I, I understand why because the Godhead is perfectly in submission to itself. The Father loves the Son and the lo- and the Son loves the Father, and the Holy Spirit is amongst that family, really um, displaying attributes of father and son. And we don't want to go too much into how the Trinity works or the triunity works, but it works and it's perfect and their love is perfect. And the redemption plan is actually introducing fallen humanity into that family unit, undeserving... Unclean now become clean, redeemed, and well placed and deserving in that family unit. In John 20, when, when Mary didn't find the, uh, the Lord in the tomb, his body was not in the tomb, she began to inquire of what she thought was the gardener. In verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I've not ascended to my Father. But go tell my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. So, do you see how much love Jesus has for the Father when he says, My Father is my God? It's an act of submission. So Jesus is submitting to his Father like we submit to God. He's saying, Father, you're the essence of everything, including me. You are God to me, even though the Father puts his full glory into the Son. And the writer of Hebrews says that, you know, thy throne, O God, he's talking about the Son there. The Lord said to my Lord, he's talking about the Son there. The Father says to the Son, I will make your enemies a footstool to your feet. In the four revelations of God's throne in Scripture, it's in Isaiah, it's in Ezekiel, it's in Zechariah, and it's in Revelation. All four of those revelations see the same thing from a different angle. It's like the four Gospels. Matthew sees it a little different to Mark, who sees it a little different to Luke, who sees it a little different to John. They all have a different angle on the same Gospel. For instance, if we had a car accident outside and there were 20 witnesses, you would all hear the truth, but 20 different ways. Do you get me? It's still the truth. And so what Mark saw and what John saw and what Luke saw and what Matthew saw is all truth, but from a different angle. And so when, when we talk about God's purposes in our lives, those four Gospels give us a complete picture of every angle that depicts God's glory and grace. And each of those Gospels is founded in love and forgiveness and grace. Grace. All of them. But I personally like John's Gospel the most because it crucifies you the most. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. John saw, he experienced Jesus as God in human form. Matthew as the king of kings. Luke as the humble, hard-working servant. The man, yeah? Sorry, Mark, Mark, the humble, working servant. And Luke right? The man. The man from heaven. You get it? So just go to Ephesians 1 now. We're going to read a little bit of Scripture. I hope you don't mind. Paul the Apostle resisted the Gospel to the point where he was a party to sentencing Christians to death, forcing them to abdicate, curse God. And for many, many, many times over, he sent many of them to prison, being fueled by letters from the high priest in Jerusalem. He made it his mandate in life to destroy Christianity. And right in the thick of him doing that, Jesus opens his eyes and forgives him And gives him grace. Now, whatever your issues are, Paul knows what you're going through, and so does Jesus. But I don't don't think any of you have killed Christians yet. I hope not. So you could imagine the kind of guilt that Satan would want to bring on the apostle. But this same apostle becomes the apostle of grace, he understands forgiveness completely. He said, God had mercy on me who was once a blasphemer and a destroyer of God's church. But he said, the Lord had mercy on me. He separated me from my mother's womb and he poured out his grace upon me because he knew I did what I did in ignorance. Isn't that what the Lord said to Jonah? These Ninevites don't know their left hand from their right hand and you want me to kill them they actually think what they're doing is right. Well, unless God sends them a preacher, they'll never hear the truth. Isn't that what Paul says? How can they hear unless there's someone is sent to them? Yeah. See? So God, this whole thing, the whole universe, the whole history of the world was purposed in the Father's heart for one ultimate goal, To separate a people for his son that would be his bride, his companion for all ages, forever. All of history revolves around that one goal from the Father. Now, he, his, him. Every time you hear those three words, it's going to register. All right, from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father. Paul just said what Jesus said. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as He, there's that first He, the Father, chose us in Him, the Son, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him, the Father, in love. Hallelujah. Let's go on. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, the Father, according to the good pleasure of His will. That's the Father again to the praise of the glory of His grace, the Father, by which He, the Father, made us accepted in the Beloved, the Son. In Him, that is, the Son, we have redemption through His blood, the Son, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His, the Father's grace. He, Him, His which He, the Father, made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His, the Father's will, according to His, the Father's good pleasure, which He, the Father, purposed in Himself. All of the world started as an idea in God's mind and heart. Any idea the Father gets is reality. It's material. Do you get me? Create. Whenever the Creator thinks, it's real. He doesn't imagine. Do you understand? When we imagine, we're looking into a realm of maybes and possibilities, and that's good. That's godly. But whatever God thinks is. It's not a wind, it's not just a thought. It's material, it's material. Wow. It's tangible. Wow. I love that part in the 10 commandments when, you know, Moses comes down off the mountain after meeting God and he says something very unbiblical but I think the the theme of it is profound. He says, "I had the pleasure of having eternal mind revealed to me. He described God as eternal mind. Mate, the Zen Buddhists don't even say that. Eternal mind. He revealed eternal mind. When God thinks it is. That's why he, Paul the Apostle here is saying, all of what God was planning is thinking is actuating in your lifetime right now. These realities that were not are now being actuated, activated, being, being, becoming a reality in our lives. Jesus was not an idea because Jesus is eternal like His Father. The Holy Spirit is not an idea. He's eternal like the Father. Verse seven, in Him, the Son, we have redemption through His, the Son's blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His, the Father's grace. And He, the Father, made to abound to us in all wisdom and prudence. Have I read this? No. All right. Verse nine, having made known to us the mystery of His, the Father's will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, He, the Father, might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in Him, the Father. 1 Corinthians 15 says that, After the Father has subjected the whole universe unto Jesus, Jesus then puts it at the feet of the Father. So that God is all in all. What a complete statement. It's God's work to to subject the universe to His Son and it's the Son's work to subject what God gives Him back to His Father. This is love in action. 11, in Him, Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of Him, the Father, who works all things according to the counsel of His, the Father's will. God works everything in accordance with the counsel of His own will. Only God can counsel Himself. Now, some of you don't get this and I understand because I cannot even start to explain an infinite God to us puny little humans. When God sets up the 24 elders around the throne, they're not there to give him advice. But I'll say this. He listens to what the elders say. Remember, there are times in the scripture where the Lord says, Well, who's going to send Ahab to his death? Let's get some ideas. And one angel says this, and another angel says that. And then it's like they do a bidding. And the Lord says to one spirit, Yeah, I like that idea. Go and be a lying spirit in all of the prophets around him. See what I'm saying? That's according to the counsel of His will. Verse 12, sorry, 13. Sorry, 12. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His, the Father's glory. In Him, that is, the Father, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, The gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, right up until this point, it's been Father, Son, Father, Son, Father, Son, Son, Father. Now the Holy Spirit has kicked in. As soon as the as the apostle mentions church, he mentions Holy Spirit. In John's Revelation, in Revelation chapter 4. You see the Father, you see the Son in chapter 5, but you never see the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Because He's in the church. It's always Holy Spirit slash church. Do you get me? Wherever the church is, that's where the Spirit is. That's why we're called Christians. We are anointed of the Holy Spirit. We He play, Notice how the apostle always says in Christ. He never says in Jesus. In Christ means in the Spirit. He's when you're baptized in the Spirit, God gets you and He puts you into the Holy Spirit, like He's putting you into an ocean called Holy Spirit. Now you're in Him, Christ. The anointed one. God sends the son, the father sends the son, the son sends the spirit. It's perfect. Let's keep going because we haven't got much time. Hallelujah. 14, who is the guarantee? The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His, the Father's glory. Now, I'm going to read verse 15 to verse 20 real quick. Therefore I also, after hearing of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, he calls Him God again, yeah. the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Paul wants the Father to give us the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom, and the spirit of knowledge of God. That the eyes of our understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of the Father's calling and what are the riches of the glory of the Father's inheritance in us, the saints. I'm paraphrasing. And what is the exceeding greatness of the Father's power toward us who believe according to the working of the Father's mighty power? which the Father worked in Christ when the Father raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, I don't know about you, but I have not really touched on the knowledge of God, the wisdom of God, the exceeding greatness of his power. So... Are we experiencing the exceeding greatness of His power? This is resurrection power. He wants us to have it. The apostle isn't praying it for to dangle a carrot that you can never have. He's praying it so that you can go for it in your own life and in, in the life of everyone else. I see a determination in the Father's heart to finish what He starts. The he, him, his anointing. Salvation is not our work. It's his work. We are his workmanship. We're going to read that soon. And then he says, It's the power that raised Christ from the dead. Far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the ages to come. Ages, plural. Ages. And he put all things under Christ's feet and gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is Jesus's body, the fullness of Jesus who fills all in all. Now go to chapter 2 and then we'll start to close. and you he made alive now notice the introduction is the father the son and the spirit and then paul prays a prayer about the revelation of the love of god and now he goes into write this is what god has done for us you the church he's made alive who were once dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of the rest of the world And according to the power, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once conducted ourselves, gratifying the lusts of our flesh and fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind. And we were by nature children of God's wrath, just as all the rest of the world is. Again, I'm paraphrasing. But God the Father, who is rich in mercy, Because of the Father's great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. I keep saying to people, when we were dead in sin and not looking for God, even rebelling against God, some of us hating God. He still died for us. He still forgave us. In fact, God saw all the sins of the world manifest as soon as Adam fell. Again, remember, he's not in time. So when Adam fell, he saw the billions of transgressions, probably trillions, probably more than that of every single human being that descended from Adam in the flesh. And that's why they never stopped singing before the throne. You are worthy to take the scroll and to unseal its seals. For you were slain and you've redeemed us with your own blood that we may be priests and kings unto our God. What Jesus did was... His perfect life covered the trillions upon trillions of transgressions that the whole world committed. Now, some of you have seen the passion of the Christ and it's pretty horrible when you see the whipping. But when you think about the trillions upon trillions of transgressions that Jesus was being punished for, remember, the wrath of God fell on his body so that it wouldn't fall on us. Then it makes sense. Because what Jesus went through satisfied God's justice. A totally innocent man inflicted for the sins of trillions of people. Now, For the most part, it was allegorical in the sense that Jesus didn't get whipped trillions of times. Whatever makes us sick, he gets one whipping for. Whatever makes us rebel, he got a whipping for. Whatever makes us prideful, he got a whipping for. All the subcategories don't matter. The original sins is what he got punished for. And John sums up sin in three categories, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Everybody with me? That's why he only got whipped 39 times. Three into 33 is 11. Hallelujah. It's a redemptive number. So let's go on and then we'll close. Amen? So even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, Christ died for us. And then in verse 6, He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages, plural, to come, the Father might show His exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 10 is the clincher. We are the Father's workmanship, which He created before time, in Christ Jesus, so that we may perform godly works which the Father prepared before we were born that we should walk in those works. Your life is living out God's history for you. Remember, all prophecy is history to God. Anything looking forward that God says He's going to do is already history to God. Your life is history to God. You're living His story through your body. It's His life, His story, His theme, His power, His work, His anointing, His atonement for His glory. Whoa. There's a lot of his and hymns. There's a lot of hymns here, and no one started singing yet. Thank God you guys actually got it. The morning service didn't get it. There's a lot of hymns and no singing in these chapters. In heaven, there's a lot of hymns, there's a lot of singing. Because what does the Lord Jesus and the Father do? They share their glory with the church. Come on, look. When a man gets married and he's standing at the front of the aisle waiting for his bride to come, down that aisle, everybody's got their attention. Everybody in is paying attention now. I know when Pastor came down the aisle with me, I'm, I'm going to be attached to that beautiful thing for the rest of my life. Don't be embarrassed. I'm going to be with this beautiful creature for the rest of my life. Now, I'm saying that to, to give you a little bit of a glimpse of that's what Jesus feels about us. He doesn't go, oh, oh my God. There is a magnet between Christ and His church. He's passionate about His church, not in the, in the, the way that the flesh gets passionate, but there's a magnet. He's drawn to us. Everything in heaven is pulling him back because he wants to come. Do, do you understand? And the only thing that holds him back is because Dad has not given him the okay yet. Okay, son, I've got you. I've got you. How many times do we tell you young people, just be patient, be patient. Go to sleep. I'll wake you when it's time. And and you know again as a husband, when you when you're single you don't feel complete, and you single people know what I'm talking about. And there's there's, there's this completeness that comes to you when you finally get married, and and the marriage is the anointing. People say, well, it's only a paper. Don't you don't you believe that lie? It's not only a paper; it's a covenant before God. It's something God predestines and ordains, and you feel complete. That's why when Adam had that rib taken out, oh, um, something's missing in my life. Maybe it's you. There's no maybes with God. <laughs> But do you understand that void in the man and the woman is God's way of letting us experience how the son feels about the bride. All of heaven is waiting. I'm telling you, the angels are all sharpening their swords, getting their chariots all polished up, dusted off. There's no dust in heaven, but anyway. And they're ready for when the Father says, he blows the trumpet, the bridegroom is coming. Remember at midnight, the ten virgins heard the trumpet and the call went out, the bridegroom is coming. Get your lamps fired up. It's all been part of his, the Father's plan. Do you know, love comes from God. True love. And we're learning how to love truly. And the Lord may use marriage to let us taste of that. He may use children. I know that when Nathan and Christy came into our lives, we experienced a different kind of love. And then when the grandchildren came into our lives, we experienced again a different kind of I, I know why Enoch walked with God After he had his first son. You know, the scripture says, you know, uh, so-and-so had Enoch, right? And then it says Enoch um, was, I think, 300 years old when he had a son and he called his son Methuselah. And then it says, literally, after Enoch had Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. There was something about the love that he had for Methuselah, his son, that showed him the love of God. And once Enoch knew that's how God loved him, he walked with God for 300 years. And their relationship was so tight, God said, come up. Don't even die. Just come up and sit here because you're sitting here anyway. Do you know what I mean? He was walking in the heavenly realms all the time. And one day, Enoch got up and started communing with God and then just walked into the throne and stayed there. Do you get it? That's what he wants us to do. When we're all, remember the the vision in in Revelation 12, we're told that the woman is giving birth and I believe that's the church. And then we're told that the, the man child was caught up to God. It's a deliberate event. He was caught up to God. And this is the same verb that's used in Enoch, was not. He was caught up to God. Elijah was caught up to heaven. I believe when the church gets caught up to where it's positioned in Christ, the rapture will come immediately after that because we'll be walking in that realm that God wants us to. And like, Enoch I could say, well, you know, you're doing it anyway. Say, come on up. But I mean, that's a pretty radical theology. You have to come to my Revelation record course to get a better understanding. So he is him. He loves us as much as he loves Jesus. And Jesus loves us as much as he loves his father. Do you get that? And that's why I believe Nate really hit the target when he, he wrote that song, Love Story. Greatest story ever told. The greatest romance ever discussed. You know, the stories about a, a king who's looking for a bride and the king humbles himself and he, he dresses as a pauper, and he looks amongst his kingdom amongst the women who are lowly stature. And it tries to find a bride for himself. The Cinderella story is a little bit like that. You know whoever, whoever of the women um, sh- if, who, whatever shoe fits now all of those are spin-offs. ...of the ultimate romance between the son and the bride. All right? There's a lot of variations and some of it gets pretty dark. But the main theme is the king of heaven humbles himself... ...and he ends up marrying a pauper bride... ...and then he exalts that bride to the queen of heaven. The queen of the universe... Do you get it? That's where Hollywood gets its inspiration. You and I are going to be elevated to queen of the universe. And I'm talking in male female terms for all eternity. Do you get it? And so can you see the, the can you see the story of the humbling? Not only does he humble himself, but he pays the bride price. In the Middle East, a man was to pay a dowry, a significant amount of riches. Could have been cattle, could have been um, textiles, it could have been wheat, it could have been gold or silver or precious stones. When Abraham sent his servant to get a bride for Isaac, he loaded up 10 camel loads of dowry. Half of them were silver and gold. Now, Isaac could say to his wife confidently, you're worth it. Okay? But the ultimate price is not physical payment, but his life's blood was given for us. Amen? So, he, him, his... It's all about the Father and His plan of revealing His love to us. And saints, your future is already God's history and you're going to live out God's history in your life. Because guess what? All of these verses point to one very strong and stable thing that I want you to hang on to. What God started, He will finish. Okay? Hello, honey.
3: (laughs) And, you know, you mentioned two of our children, that we have five.
2: Yeah, but I mean, you know.
3: uh, And we're looking for those to come home. And so we wanted to make sure that, Brooke, if you're listening, we celebrate you coming home. Um, And you're certainly one of us in every way. And we're praying that those that you might know that are not uh, aware and they keep going back for salvation all the time or to be forgiven all the time, they can't move forward and they're not moving through the cross to look back and see where they've come from, from the cross. Yes. And I know that, I'm praying this prayer for my son, Brooke, who's uh, in that sick place at the moment. And um, I believe it's a key, guys. I truly believe it's a key. It's a key to the love of God. Come on. It's a big, big key. You will not see the true effect of the love of God if you keep going to the cross. You will only see the true effect of the love of God if you move on from the cross to the heavens. Do you get that? Please, please get it. so important because Jesus has a father, but he has a God. I have the same God and so do you. And that God sent his son because we are worth the same amount as his son, Jesus. And we have to see this. If we really do. We need to see this. This is important for us because then we'll hold our head up. We won't be. Do you know as Christians, I see so many Christians walking with their head down. You know I have to wear these glasses because I can't always see as clear as I'd like to. But if I talk to you, I will always look you straight in the eye. Do you understand? Jesus looks us in the eye. And that's why the Father would look at his Son through our eyes. You have to see the importance of all this. But most of the people... That are living in that, carrying the burden of guilt and shame, constantly walk with their head down. You find yourself walking with your head down, then you need to locate, re evaluate where are you living from? Live from the love of God. And move on from that. And get forgiven and move from that onwards. Because that's the love he has. You know? He has as much love for his father and for us. We're not less, we're just different. That's his father, that we're his bride. We have to see it like that. And then we will move on and not always be shaking in our identity anymore. You, once you know heaven is lining up with what's in your heart, earth will fall into line and God will work it. You said it. He does it. What he says he does what he sees, he does. You have to see it this way and then you'll get through all that's going on out there because he'll take you through it. He won't take you out of it, but he'll take you through it and you'll come out of the fire without being burnt. I want to encourage people like that because this is so important. Because I want us to look back. Who has a problem looking back? They. I know someone. I just volunteered you, madam. Come on up, pastor. I knew. You knew. I'm sure everybody knew it was going to be you. Oh, yeah, everybody. Oh, wow, you're behind, Will. Come on. Do you know... One of the big things with you is you're always looking where you're going. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you walk down there? I want you to tell yourself, I'm going to look back. I'm not going to look at how far I've got to go. Walk down, see what God does with you. Okay, turn around. What are you going to choose? To go or to look back and see where you've come from? Which will be more fulfilling for you? Yeah. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. You get it? Understand it's so important for you. From where you're going, you need to see from where you've come. Where you're going, you have to see where you've come from. That will show you how to do this. Okay, so God bless you tonight. Thank you, Pastor. Unbelievable word. Loved every single minute of it. I got double portion because I got the this morning's portion as well. And so, wow, what gem. You know, Dan, I, I just, I seen you head lifting and I see you looking ahead. Look back, you've come a long way. Sure, you're not there yet, but you've come a long way. And I'm sure if you look back at that, your head will lift. You look different tonight, Danny. And I rejoice and celebrate with you for that very thing. Dre, yes, he's seeking, all right. Dre, you got the key. You are forgiven. Walk in your forgiveness. That's how you walk through the cross, by the power of the Spirit of God, you know, who will help you and lead you. And then you will look back and you will go, wow. Wow. I've come a long way. He'd rather you say that than say, and I've got a long way to go. That's religion. That's religion. That's works. So when you walk out of here tonight, do that little exercise. Walk a little way and then look back and say, I've come a long way. you get the reality because God wants you to get it. He wants you to get it because, you know, He's holding back. Je- Jesus wants to come, but He's holding back because of this amazing love He has for people. And I am so grateful that He's holding back so that my family, my son, and my my other daughter can come back. I'm grateful, I'm grateful, I'm grateful. I don't know about you, but it would be good if you stood up and said how grateful you are that the Lord is just waiting a little longer, that the Father's holding back a little longer because of the love that He has for those that haven't come home yet. Why don't we thank the Lord for that? because I know how I feel with my son, Brooke, coming home. I really, really am so drawn to that. So I can't even imagine how much the Father is. is another one coming home. Why don't you do the salvation prayer?
2: Yeah, um, if you're joining us online for the first time, or maybe you visited us before, or even if there's someone here in the sanctuary that is unsure of their salvation or their relationship with the Lord Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to um, invite the Holy Spirit into your life and start this incredible adventure of love, forgiveness and redemption in your life. This is the purpose for your existence? Do you want to live out your destiny? This is it. Your destiny is in God. So I ask you to do a simple thing and that is by faith you're going to receive the forgiveness of God and His Spirit. And so let's pray together. We'll pray this prayer and then Pastor Nate's going to come up and finalize the service. So just say after me, Father God, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins and wash me clean with the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus died for my sins and he rose again to give me life with you. Lord Jesus, come and live in my heart and fill me with your Spirit. Let me have true communion with you, not based on performance or religion, but total intimacy. And then lastly, I believe in you, Jesus, and I thank you that I am saved. In Jesus' name, Amen. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Please contact us. We want to get a Bible into your hands. And we also need to get you into a community of faith so that your your faith is encouraged and and supported. Please contact us, info at talknyc.org and we will get those materials out to you and hopefully we'll get you into a spirit-filled church. Maybe this one. Thank you very much. Over to you, Pastor. Are we to
3: say goodnight to online tonight? Or is Pastor going to arrange that? Oh, okay. Well, why why don't we just give the Lord the glory? Come on.
1: Let's stand and give Him the glory. Amen. Lord, we thank you so much for a wonderful service. So life-giving, so impacting. And we just thank you that we're coming home to the Father's love all over again. May the Lord bless you, keep you, make His face shine upon you, bring you back together in this assembly, safe, excited, full of His goodness and His mercy for your life with a testimony for Testimony Time. Amen. If this is your first time accepting Jesus, we would love for you to get in touch with us so we can walk alongside you in taking your next steps in faith. There is so much that God wants to do in your life to show his goodness and love and our team is ready and willing to connect you and partner with you on your journey. Visit torqueorg contact to speak to someone today. It is our joy to partner with you and see Jesus become real, relevant, and relational in every part of your life.
0: Thanks for listening to the Torque message of the week. We hope you were encouraged by this message and stirred to make this more than just words, but a reality. If you've been impacted by what was shared, why not go ahead and share it with someone who you know needs to hear it? You can get the latest episodes of this podcast by subscribing via Spotify, Apple, or our Torque app. Need to rewatch this message again? Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check out TorqueTV.org for more amazing content. We thank you for your generous support and prayers. And if you would like to contribute to our ministry, please visit torqueorg forward slash give. From all of our leaders and team, we love you, are praying for you, and believing for you every step to be aligned
3: with him and his spirit this week. Until next time, God bless.